It is Thursday, October 10th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 6 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And you can head to DraftSharks.com right now to see our up-to-date Week 6 and rest of the season rankings. If you play with IDPs, you can check out the latest edition of the 32 IDP Things to Know. You can find our usual set of weekly articles on the site, and we'll keep going with those. And, of course, we've got our DFS podcast still to come this week. And we're going to jump into the Week 6 preview right now with a 9.30 Eastern time Mm. game in London, Mm. Carolina against Tampa Bay. Panthers are two-point favorites. And Jared, I think everybody kind of gasped yesterday when they realized that Christian McCaffrey was not practicing with a back injury. Right, everyone ran to the waiver wires to grab Reggie Bonifon, who (laughs) had the long touchdown. McCaffrey exited last week's game early with the cramping. Ron Rivera said on Thursday morning here that McCaffrey's going to get Wednesdays off the rest of the season probably, which, which makes sense when you're feeding the guy, you know, 30 touches a game, prob- probably a smart move. But McCaffrey, fine for this game. It is a tough matchup. The Bucks, you know, held him, uh, I think it was like under 60 scoreless yards in the first meeting, and they are, you know, a top run defense. They're also good against running backs in the passing game. But, you know, it's a reason to may- maybe fade McCaffrey and DFS, but you're obviously starting him in season long. Yeah, certainly. And if you, I mean, if you did run out and pick up Bonifon, as long as you didn't give up anything significant to get him, fine. I would not cling to him as a handcuff. I would imagine if McCaffrey does go down at some point, this is going to be a committee because Bonifon's had seven total touches so far, all of those carries through five games. Yeah. Alex Arma is the only other running back who's had a touch. He has two carries, two targets. Jordan Scarlett's been active, but just a special teamer. I think he would probably factor in. I think they'd probably yeah. promote Elijah Holyfield from the practice squad, too. Look at you with these Panthers running back names. Heck yeah. I mean, Curtis Samuel might even enter the Russian mix fun. if they That'd had that going yeah. on. That'd be fun. So, anyway, I, I don't think that Reggie Bonifon would be Wayne Gallman if Christian McCaffrey <laughs> went down. And really, as much as I would like to joke about Wayne Gallman at times, Wayne Gallman was a much better college player than Reggie Bonifon, who was yes. a, an undrafted free agent. Yeah. So if you picked up Bonifon this week over like Chase Edmonds or Malcolm Brown, mm. I think you made the wrong move there. Mm. Yep. But getting back to the Panthers game, Kyle Allen, I think a capable starter in this matchup, capable of starter value, but only because of the matchup. The Bucs are adding a league high 51% to QB scoring so far, according to our strength of schedule page. Allen has just one touchdown pass over his past two games, though, 232 and, and 181 yards since that big one at Arizona. Yeah, he, he struggled the last two weeks. He, he was second in pro football, football focuses <laughs> passing grades in that week three game. He's been 28th and 29th over the past two weeks, so he's been struggling which adds some risk, obviously. But like you said, this matchup, I think, makes Allen a spot start option, even if he's you know, not, not our favorite streamer this week. The Bucks over the last three weeks have allowed 336 yards and two touchdowns to Daniel Jones, the big 517-yard two-touchdown game to Jared Goff, even though that came on 68 attempts. And then it was the 314-yard four-touchdown game to Teddy Bridgewater last week. Yeah, so uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle Allen delivers starter numbers. I would have to be reaching pretty deep to play in this week. Probably more of a DFS option, I think. Curtis Samuel, his targets have been fine since Kyle, Kyle Allen entered mm-hmm. seven, seven, and six, but just eleven total catches, just nine and a half yards per reception. He sits tenth still in the league in total air yards and in market share of air yards, so his portion of the team's total in that category, but. 
I'm not sure that he's actually going to have this breakout week like some other guys that we point to in this category (laughs) because Kyle Allen is not throwing the ball deep very much. Only 10% of his attempts have gone into the deep range, 20 yards plus or 15 yards plus in the air, I think is where Mm -hmm. PFF measures that at. And he's only completed two of the nine attempts that he's thrown into that range. So he's not doing it often and he's not doing this successfully. Yeah. don't expect a Will Fuller, you know, breakout game for Curtis Samuel here. Um, I do like him, though, as like a wide receiver three with upside again in this matchup. Samuel and DJ Moore had nice games in that first meeting against the Bucks. Five catches, 91 yards for Samuel. Nine catches, 89 yards for Moore. And that was in a game that Cam Newton did not play well. You know, I think Allen, even now, is playing at least as well as Cam was in that Week 2 game. Um, Samuel had a couple deep shots too that you know Newton either underthrew or overthrew so it could have been an even bigger game for Samuel so again because of the matchup I think Samuel and Moore are both pretty solid fantasy plays this week yeah I agree I would feel better about DJ Moore I think I certainly think they're both in play and it really just takes one of those deep connections to work to make a fantasy day for Curtis Samuel so you know at least he's running those routes at least he has that ability the (laughs) the individual matchups by the way are good for both Samuel and Moore Uh, Samuel might be more of a mismatch for the guy on him because Carlton Davis looks like Mm -hmm. the guy he'll face more often and Carlton Davis is a bigger physical dude whereas Curtis Samuel is a smaller faster shifty player again I remember multiple times Samuel being open deep in that bus game I know one time uh, Cam underthrew him Samuel came back to make the catch but it could have been like a 70 yard touchdown if, if Cam throws a good ball yeah so what are you thinking of Greg Olson Greg Olson I mean I think a lot of folks want to bench him because he's done nothing the last two weeks now he had a goose egg last week he has only seen 13 total targets from Kyle Allen a 14 percent target share so that's a bit concerning but this matchup is awesome Olsen had the big game against the Bucks back in week two Tampa's allowed one more catch to tight ends and even the Cardinals and just 16 fewer yards to tight ends in the Cardinals. So it's been, you know, nearly as good a, a tight end matchup as Arizona. So, you know, unless we have one of those, you know, big three or four tight ends, I'd be using Greg Olson this week. I agree. I mean, it's tough to look at his numbers and then think that he's a safe starter, but there's not a lot of yeah. safety at this position. So you play the matchup. They're adding 64.5% to tight end scoring are the Bucks so far, the third largest boost in the league. So... I agree. You know, maybe we get three or four targets again, yeah. but if you get six targets for Greg Olson in this game, it should be a nice one. And the fact that the Bucks are playing so tough against the run, Football Outsiders has them number one, mm-hmm. maybe that helps get a few more targets thrown toward Greg Olson in this yep. game. On the Tampa side, Jameis Winston basically couldn't get the ball to anyone besides Chris Godwin last week against the Saints. He still finished 14th among fantasy quarterbacks, 204 yards, two touchdowns. He played fine in the first meeting with the Panthers, only threw 25 passes. They went Peyton Barber heavy in that game. So I think Winston's fine, but he's also just outside the top 12. I think that's where he belongs. Yeah, yeah, fine's a good way to describe Winston this week. Like you said, volume was his biggest issue in week two. Um, with the Bucks playing with a lead throughout the game. Carolina's pass D is good, though. This isn't a good match. Football Outsiders has the Panthers fourth in pass defense. Carolina's sixth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. You don't have any idea what the travel schedules have been for these two teams, have you? I, I thought I saw the Panthers left today on Thursday. I, I have no idea about Tampa. I don't have numbers on yeah. it in front of me for the London games, but... We certainly have heard, at least anecdotally, game to game here, they're a team that waited until late in the week to travel, was not as ready for the game on Sunday, maybe didn't play quite as well as expected. So that adds just like this extra unknown to the game. Because I do think 
you know, we, we talk about West Coast teams traveling to the East Coast. I do think that it matters, the, the fact that you're traveling seven hours earlier to a different time zone, a different place. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's some amount of time to adjust the body clock. And I'm not saying that it definitely hurts everybody going into the London game. Yeah. But it's one more unknown if you're weighing a player against another player and it's close. I, we saw last week the Raiders beat the Bears. Like, I don't think that happens in Chicago or even in Oakland. Like, I feel like the, the London aspect just... Adds more volatility to these games. I think the Raiders can beat the Bears, but I think <laughs> if it happened stateside, it would be like 17 to 15 as sure, opposed yeah. to them scoring that right. many points. Because yeah. the Bears really aren't very good, I don't think. Yeah. On offense, they're not. Yeah. Elsewhere among the Bucks, Mike Evans saw eight targets, caught four for 61 in the first meeting. The Panthers are fifth best against number one receivers, though. And, you know, it's fair to wonder if the number one receiver here is Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. But either way, I think it's a tougher matchup for Evans because he gets James Bradbury primarily in coverage. And James Bradbury has been a lot better this year than he was previously in his career. Yeah, I think he just, he's emerging as one of the better corners in the league. PFF has him 25th in coverage grades among 100, 105 qualifying corners. Bradbury's allowed just 12 receptions on 25 targets this season. And really, he, he had uh, Evans' number last year, too. Evans went... Four catches, 48 yards, and one catch, 16 yards in those two games against Carolina last year. So Evans certainly still in starter territory, but I mean, if you have a loaded wide receiver core, I wouldn't be shocked if there are some teams that sit him this week. Yep, I agree. Uh, Chris Godwin's an obvious must-start, not even worth addressing. Yes, fantasy's number one wide receiver through five (laughs) weeks. Awesome. And O.J. Howard is outside the top 12 this week. Bruce Arians in his Monday press conference, somebody (laughs) asked why O.J. Howard's not getting more, why he isn't catching more passes, and Bruce Arians was basically like, uh, he's running the routes. It's just a matter of him not getting open. So it doesn't sound like Bruce Arians is planning on changing anything with O.J. Howard. And I think Arians is right. Howard ran a season high 74% of the routes on James Winston's dropbacks last week. So that's a fine number, he, but he still saw just two targets. So whether he's not getting open or if defenses are taking him away or if James just isn't looking for him, it's tough to count on Howard at this point. He, he had a goose egg against the Panthers in week two. Yeah, and I mean, it would be different if the coach was like, He's such a talent where you got to make sure to get him the ball more. Yeah. But the coach is like, yeah, he's out there. I mean, if the ball goes his way, it goes his way. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. I think both defenses are in play in this game. I certainly think the Panthers are well ahead. They're a much better defense and much better against the pass where, you know, turnovers are easier to come by. Yep, agreed. And um, Bucks backfield sort of went right back to being a committee. Even uh, Dari Ogumbwale played almost <laughs> as many snaps uh, in that game against the Saints as Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. So jo- Jones still the best option, but, I mean, you're getting – you know, eight touches guaranteed and anything beyond that's a bonus. Yeah, I'd be surprised if we get more of that from Ogunbowale because that was a game where they spent a lot of the time trailing by two touchdowns, and he is the passing down guy. He hasn't seen a lot of targets, but it's clear that neither Ronald Jones nor Peyton Barber is a big part of the passing game. Right. So, you know, unless the Panthers jump out ahead in this one, which is a possibility, I still think it'll be more Jones and Barber, and I would lean Jones, but I'm certainly not excited about any of the three. Yeah, I agree with you about Ogunbowale. It was more of a game flow thing with him, but um, even between Jones and Barber, they both played the same exact amount of snaps, mm-hmm. and Jones only outcarried him 9-8. to eight. And just like every other game, it was Barber on the field first, even though Jones had the better game the week before, so they were still alternating, and then there was just no chance for there to be a, a hot hand runner heading into the second half of this Right, and, and of course, Peyton Barber's one big game this season came against Carolina, and maybe it's just a fluke, or maybe it's something about about the matchup he likes, but mm-hmm. I would try to avoid the backfield. Yes, I agree. They're basically Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. On a worse offense. <laughs> right. Cincinnati at Baltimore. The Ravens are 12-point favorites, mm. which <laughs> I certainly think they deserve to be clear favorites. I think 12 points yeah. is excessive in this matchup. I do, too. I think that the Bengals' implied total is 
significantly low. I believe it's only a half point behind Pittsburgh for like <laughs> lowest among Sunday and beyond teams, isn't it? Yeah, I got it at 17.75. So Yeah, I, I mean, that, that, that strikes me as silly. So the Ravens, meanwhile, are tied with the Chiefs for the highest implied total as of right now. It's up from where it opened. Chiefs are down a little bit. Like I mentioned, Bengals are second lowest among teams not playing Thursday night. Third, third lowest if you include the Giants. Um, but that close to a Steelers team that's starting Devlin Hodges, it doesn't make any sense <laughs> yeah. to me. Before the Cardinals last week, the Bengals faced the Niners, the Bills, and the Steelers. All three of those teams rank seventh or better in Football Outsiders' overall defensive DVOA. So it's not like the Bengals have been failing to score against lollipops. And granted, they didn't perform as we might have hoped, like do as much on offense as we yeah. might have hoped against the Cardinals, who are not good on defense. But, you know, like I said, a lot of the matchups they've faced so far have been tough. Yeah, that... that... Bengals' performance at home for the Cardinals sort of has me wanting to shy away from these guys, even though I do like this matchup against Baltimore. Andy Dalton ended up finishing the week as quarterback 12, but he had those two late touchdowns that sort of bailed him out before that. He was doing nothing. He was not looking good. The O-line is still a major issue, and you know that that is going to continue to be a problem. So despite a good matchup, I don't like Dalton as more than a quarterback two this week. Yeah, I certainly would have him in QB2 territory. But I do think there's possibility that he scores into QB1 territory like I wouldn't I would have him well ahead of Kyle Allen who we've already talked about mm-hmm. on this one I'll probably compare him to some other quarterbacks as we move through here QB 15 on the year is Dalton despite that one awful outing against the Steelers yep. he's been over 240 passing yards and had two total touchdowns in four or five games so far over 20 fantasy points in each of those you know depending on your specific scoring system Baltimore has been the 10th best QB matchup so far among teams on the slate this week, according to our strength of schedule. And the Ravens are allowing the second most yards per play behind only Miami to this point. That is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah, Dalton's been a top 12 quarterback in three or five games this season, and he's only dipped below 18th once. So he has has been better than you might think. Mm -hmm. Better than you might think. He's been exactly what I think. Tyler Boyd, I think, is an easy play in this game. That's one we can definitely agree on. Joe Mixon is solid as well. 15-plus carries in three straight games. Frustratingly low usage in the passing game, though. One target against the Cardinals. Yeah, you're in nine pass routes against the Cardinals, even though they were trailing most of that game. So you you, you really can't project, you know, big passing game numbers out of Mixon at this point. Maybe he gets it down on the ground, but, you know, the Bengals are a big road underdog, so not a good spot. Um, I'm going to throw out Auden Tate still as being an option. You know, he disappointed until getting that touchdown late in the Cardinals game. He sort of bailed owners out there, but he played 100% of the snaps, mm-hmm. ran a route on 95% of Dalton's dropbacks, um, you know, saw 16% target share. That's a, a decent number. So again, in this matchup, that's, you know, not as tough as, as it has been against Baltimore. I think Tate is like a wide receiver four flex option. Yeah, I mean, six targets last week were eight behind Tyler Boyd for the team lead, but it was still second on the team. Um, you know, you mentioned the, the late touchdown saved his line. I, I think he's a better play than you would think yeah. uh, this week versus that. And I, I would, I might even elevate him into like the fringe of wide receiver three territory. Yeah. Like I, I don't think there's a strong argument for DK Metcalf over Alden Tate other than his quarterback is better. Tate's safer. Uh, I'll say that. I mean, mm-hmm. Metcalf probably has higher upside, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Eifert, he broke Arizona's streak of yeah. blowing up tight end production, and he got four targets, caught two of them for 14 yards, and played yeah. a season low, matched his season low for total snaps with 18. Just, yeah, just bad game planning by Cincinnati, I think, not to feature Eifert, or even Uzoma more. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they weren't targeting the tight ends. I would say Eifert was open in the end zone. I think it was in the third quarter, and Dalton threw it like, on his back hip, and he was unable to catch it. So, <laughs> I would hope that at 0-5, Zach Taylor is reevaluating things, and I don't think it applies as much to Eifert as it would to Joe Mixon. <laughs> yeah. 
But I would think that getting to this point, he would have to look back and think, I, I got to change some stuff. I can't believe we're not throwing the ball more to Joe Mixon because he might be the best receiver on the team. I mean, you thought, you know, he's a, he's a Sean McVay disciple. You thought, you know, there'd be Todd Gurley-esque usage for Joe Mixon, and that's just not where we're getting so far. Maybe he spent too much time with the Dolphins before Oof. working with Sean McVay. I would do it. The Baltimore D is, of course, solid in this matchup. Bengals are the fifth most friendly matchup, two defenses. I mean, as we mentioned, the Ravens D is not good, yep. but neither is the Bengals offense, so that's where the upside comes from. Yep. And on the Baltimore offense, I think you play anyone you're seriously considering, but yeah. we're going to have to watch some injury situations here. Mark Andrews didn't practice Wednesday, which has become common, but this time he sat with a shoulder injury as opposed to a foot. So we'll have to watch and see if that is a significant issue beyond Wednesday. And Marquise Brown sprained his ankle last week. He sat out Wednesday, so we're going to have to watch him as well. Andrews obviously played the entire game with you know, with that shoulder injury, if it's legit. We'll see. Uh, Marquise Brown missed a lot of that game against the Steelers, but did come back in the fourth quarter in overtime. So I would expect him to play, but obviously adds some risk to Brown this week. And the Bengals haven't been a good matchup for wide receivers, actually. They're seventh in adjusted fantasy points allowed at the position. So, you know, not, not an ideal matchup for Brown. Mm-hmm. Overall, though, Bengals are allowing the fourth most yards per play, the sixth most points per game. It's a terrific matchup for Mark Ingram. Oh, yeah. The Bengals are providing easily the biggest scoring boost to running backs of any team in the league. Ingram didn't practice Wednesday, but it was just a rest day. Yeah, I think Ingram and RB won in this matchup. I even think, you know, Gus Edwards, if you're hurting, you know, could make some sense if, you know, we expect Baltimore to be out to a big lead. Edwards has only averaged 5.3 carries per game since week one that, you know, blowout win against Miami. So there's obviously risk. Maybe you only get five or six carries, but I could also see, you know, Ingram getting 20 carries in this game and Gus Edwards getting 10 of his own. Yeah, I mean, they're 12 point favorites. I, I think that's excessive, but I absolutely agree that there's a chance that Baltimore blows out Cincinnati in this game. And if that does happen, they're going to run a lot. And it's not all going to be Ingram and Lamar Jackson. And the Ravens are going to run a lot, even if they're not playing with it usually. Mm-hmm. Like, as long as they're not playing from behind, you know, we know this team wants to be a run-heavy offense. Seattle at Cleveland. The Seahawks are one-and-a-half-point favorites, uh, middling 46-point over-under. Football Outsiders has the Browns' defense 11th best against the pass, just 23rd against the run. So we could get another low-volume game from Russell Wilson here. It's not hard to project that coming off two straight with less than 30 attempts, of course. Russell Wilson threw four touchdowns on 23 (laughs) attempts against the Rams last Thursday. So we know that he's starting even if they project to throw it 15 times. Yeah, exactly. The low volume's annoying, but it hasn't mattered for Wilson. He's 20th right now among quarterbacks in pass attempts. He's second in fantasy points. Besides the efficiency, and and Wilson's sitting on career highs right now in completion rate and yards per attempt. He's been awesome. I think we've all seen that. He's also running more, though, than he has the past couple years now. Um, he's eighth among all quarterbacks with 120 rushing yards, tied for third with two rushing touchdowns. So that that has helped as well. Can you imagine coaching the Seahawks offense and being like, we we need to take it out of Russell Wilson's hands more often? I, I can't imagine being Brian Schottenheimer. <laughs> God. Can you imagine being the person who pays Brian Schottenheimer? No, it's even worse. Too? It's even worse. Good Lord. Anyway, Chris Carson has been over 20 carries in two straight games. He has seen 15-plus carries in every game. I think this one stacks up as another high-volume game for him as long as he doesn't fumble. Season-high playing time against the Rams last week. Two straight 100-plus yard rushing games. It's easy to start Chris Carson right now. Yeah, I mean, did you see that Browns run defense on Monday night against the Niners? I mean, it was, <laughs> no, was, I didn't. I looked everywhere <laughs> for it. That, that, was, that was pathetic. Um, like you said, Cleveland 23rd in Football Outsiders run D. Uh, PFF has them 31st. Yeah, I believe it. Rashad Penny returned from two missed games for a season low in playing time last week. He matched Chris Carson's two targets, but he saw six carries for just 18 yards. 
you know, maybe Rashad Penny gets a little more in a second game back, but he's certainly not a factor until he proves otherwise. Yeah, he's in like the Gus Edwards range where like, you know, you're going to get probably six to ten carries and you have to hope he's super efficient with this. If you're deflated now because Reggie Bonifon's not a starter <laughs> for you, then you can consider right. Penny or Gus Edwards. Yep. Pass volume, I think, makes nobody beyond Tyler Lockett a particularly attractive option here. A DK yeah. Metcalf, I think is probably higher in the rankings, both ours and overall, than he should be. He had the open 40-yard touchdown last week, but had a two-catch 44-yard game on three targets overall. Right, and just seven targets over the last two weeks. And his snap rates over the last two weeks have been down to 63% and 69% after being up over 80% the first three weeks. He's he's losing some time, it looks like, to David Moore, who's come back. So, yeah, that's what we said you know, with Metcalf and Auden Tate. Like, Tate's safer because he's going to be on the field more. He's probably a better target bet. Metcalf, like we've seen, can make that big play. Um, has been, you know, used pretty heavily in the red zone, so he's probably a better touchdown bet than Tate. But again, you know, with that volume, he's a low floor play. Yeah, like if you have Metcalf on your roster and Tate's on the waiver wire, I would go ahead and play Metcalf. Sure. But I mean, if you're if you have them both and you're deciding, I would play Tate. I would play Demarcus Robinson over DK Metcalf. I would probably play Preston Williams over DK Metcalf too. I would. I would too. All right. So Will Disley, I mean, he's he's almost Weekly Austin Hooper territory. We don't yeah. have to talk about him at all. But his playing time's been up the past two games, 79%, 89%. For the season, he's seen about 16.5% of the targets. Over the two games since Nick Vanette left, though, it's mm-hmm. been 23.5%. Like you said, he's an every-week starter at this point. Yeah, leads all tight ends and fantasy points over the last four weeks. And he's obviously been helped by the four touchdowns. But he's also eighth among tight ends and targets over the last four weeks. He's fifth in catches and he's sixth in receiving yards. I forget he might be behind Greg Olson in our week six rankings, but if that's the case and I have both of them, I'm just leaving Disley. In no, I I ranked Olson um, higher originally than and, and you and uh, Kevin both preferred Disley. So Disley is <laughs> ahead of go. Olson in the ranks right now. There you go. Well, at least I'm true to my I'd word say, yeah, earlier say, in the week. I'd say Disley safer. I do think Olson has more upside this week. I don't think it's possible to have more upside than Will <laughs> Disley. The Seattle D also has upside. The Browns are providing the fifth largest scoring boost among week six defenses. The Seahawks are down to 22nd in defensive DVOA, though. So, you know, maybe there's a chance that the Browns do something on offense this week. But I think Baker Mayfield's a QB, too, until he proves otherwise. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love Baker, but you can't trust him right now. I I would say that one good thing about this matchup is the issue with Baker has been pressure. Too much pressure on him. Him struggling when pressured. The Seahawks are just 25th in adjusted sack rate, though, so this could be a game where, where Baker has more time to throw. It at least makes me feel better about using guys like Beckham and Jarvis Landry. Yeah, Odell Beckham has to stay in lineups. I, I kind of like with Curtis Samuel, not to, to a lesser degree, but I, I don't think that Odell Beckham is like standing on the precipice of huge numbers and it's just going to explode. He's going to have a big week here or there, but he's 11th in the league in total air yards, and yeah. that's a fine number, but I, for him, I think it's a little disappointing because there are two Buccaneers receivers ahead of him. There are two Texans wideouts ahead of him. DJ Chark's ahead of him. John Brown's ahead of him. Curtis Samuel's ahead. I mean, Odell Beckham should be yeah. top five at that in that category in the league. He's 38th in the league in average depth of target, actually down slightly from last year, and that's just among wideouts with 10-plus targets. Yeah, I mean, I'd say the usage has been mildly disappointing that the bigger issue has been efficiency um Beckham sitting on a 53 and a half percent catch rate 7.8 yards per target his his marks entering this season 62.7 percent catch rate 8.8 yards per target and you know that's from a lot of Eli Manning like I you know I 
I still think Baker Mayfield is at least on par with what Eli was late in Beckham's career. So I think the efficiency is going to come up. I think, yeah, you, you keep starting Beckham, and he is capable of, you know, top right. five wide receiver we get anytime. This team could use a buy, really. Yeah. Uh, Seattle's top corner, by the way, though, Shaq Griffin's playing well this year. He's 15th among all corners in pro football focus coverage grid. He has allowed just 11 catches through five games so far. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not saying Shaq Griffin's about to shut down Odell Beckham, but mm-hmm. It's not necessarily an easy individual spot for Beckham this week. I don't think Griffin's been shadowing, though, has he? I think he just stays on his side. I don't think so. so. I mean, Beckham should have plenty of routes against other guys. Jarvis Landry has seen six-plus targets in every game. The six against the Niners last week is actually a season low for him. Put up a solid four for 75. Probably a better individual matchup for him in coverage this week. So he's fine. Nothing to get excited about here. Yeah, though. he's 14th among wide receivers and targets. So, I mean, we're, we're almost getting the old Jarvis Landry target hog. Well, he did have the one big week to, right. to boost that. Rashard Higgins, by the way, put in a full practice Wednesday. So it looks yeah. like maybe we'll finally get him back on the field. And we'll see what that means for everybody. There was a little bit of a Baker Mayfield-Rashard Higgins connection yeah. that seemed to be developing. It's probably mostly matters for Antonio Callaway, who yeah. didn't do anything yeah. in his return. And yet Freddie Kitchens is like, yeah, I'll give him another chance. Yeah, not a good debut there for Callaway. I mean, I, it wasn't a great throw from Mayfield that resulted in an interception. But, you know, Callaway didn't just drop it. He uh, you know, knocked it up into the air for the Niners <laughs> to pick off. <laughs> Higgins is at least more reliable than Callaway. I would not be surprised if Higgins is the number three receiver for this yeah. matchup. Yep. Eagles at Vikings. Vikings are three-point home favorites, over under 44. I don't expect a whole lot of offense out of this one. Carson Wentz, past two games, 160 passing yards at Green Bay, 189 and one touchdown at home against the Jets. It doesn't sound like Deshaun Jackson's going to be back for this game. Yeah. I would prefer to not use Carson Wentz this week if I can help it. Yeah, so would I. Tough spot. Um, Minnesota ninth in football outsiders past the 13th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. And they, they've always been a much, not always, but recently been a much tougher defense at home. Per Rich Rebar, who's over at Sharp Football now, the Vikings have allowed a top 12 quarterback in just five of their last 50 home games. Ooh. I'd say always, every single season <laughs> Forever, of their existence. Yeah. Yeah. Alshon Jeffrey still is a fairly easy start here. He's seen 30% of Carson Wentz's targets over his two games since returning from injury. Yeah. 17 total targets in those games. Six plus targets in each of his three full games this year. So volumes on his side. And Xavier Rhodes used to be good, but he's <laughs> yeah. really not now. Yeah, Rhodes 79th in PFF's coverage grades among 105 qualifiers has allowed 22 catches on 27 targets for 236 yards this season. If the defense were less good overall, then I think Alshon Jeffrey would be like a a strong start this week, like a top sleeper. But because the defense is good overall, I I think it just makes Jeffrey a comfortable wide receiver too here. Yeah, I agree with that. Not a spot to expect big games from any Eagles. Jordan Howard. Doug Peterson told us this week that Jordan Howard is going to lead the backfield and carries going forward. Unfortunately for him, he now faces the number two defense in rushing DVOA. I think it's a terrible spot for Jordan Howard. And, you know, Miles Sanders is the number two runner. It's not a great spot for him, but he at least is a downfield receiver. So there could be like some sneaky production on what he gets in this game, but definitely not to the point where I'm saying, ooh, Miles Sanders is a fantasy sleeper this week. Yeah, Darren Sproles out for this game, which helps a little. I mean, we talked about that he hadn't been playing much anyways, you know, like a quarter of the snaps and seeing, you know, three to five touches per game, but it, it helps a little. It means, you know, probably an extra couple touches for each of Sanders and Howard. Um, Sa- Sanders has been pretty productive in the passing game. I mean, he actually has the highest eight out among all running backs with at least five targets, um, 7.2 yards. That's that's deep for a running back. Minnesota, though, ninth in football outsiders running back coverage. They're, they're allowing just 5.5 yards per catch 
two running backs. So not you know not a good matchup for Sanders in the passing game. Yeah, he is different than many other running backs where you'll see them every week target him on intermediate and deeper yeah. routes. So if you're playing like a DFS showdown for this game, I would say Miles Sanders is an attractive guy. I haven't looked at salaries for that yet. I will not be playing a DFS uh, showdown <laughs> for Eagles Vikings. On the Vikings side, I think both Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs are fairly easy starts because of the matchup here. Obviously, the fact that they're yeah. in low volume pass offense, you know, hinders both of them still. I would say Theon's an easy start. Um, you know, he, he's still at a 24% target share. Diggs is at an 18% target share. That's down from 26% last year. So Diggs, it's it's not even just the Vikings' low passing volumes that his his share of those targets have gone down too. So I mm-hmm. think he's still shaky. I wouldn't be surprised if you get you know two catches for 30 yards from him. But there is definitely upside in this matchup. He's like Marvin Jones, but in a good spot this week. You know, he's like yeah, wide receiver yeah. 28. Yep. So he's not. It's not comfy versus expectation coming into the season. But as far as a three wide receiver league, I think it's pretty easy to have yes. digs in there. Yep. Unless you have a good set of wide receivers. For Kirk Cousins, tough to expect 30 plus attempts in this game where they're home favorites. I think he's just mm-hmm. streamer level. He's definitely streamer level. Um. I don't know. I think he'll get into the 30s this week, honestly, because I think the Eagles will score enough where you know the Vikings aren't going to be sure. aren't going to be running and hiding with a big lead. I, I think this is going to be a close game. And Eagles' Rundy is awesome, and I don't think Minnesota is going to come out pass heavy just because of the matchup. But I do think they might lean more pass. I mean, they should. The Eagles are a top five run defense and a bottom five pass defense. Like, you should come out throwing a bit more in this spot. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> but it's easy to overlook that the Eagles only scored uh, 17 offensive points against the Jets last week because they had two defensive touchdowns. I, the offense is is stumbling a bit right now. I would not be surprised if this is a low-scoring game. And I, 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 it's tough for me to expect the Vikings to throw much unless they yeah. have to. But, you know, they showed last week that they could fall short of 30 and still have a fine passing day. I mean, Kirk Cousins should be, like, sixth in our rankings in this right. matchup. Instead, he's, like, 14th or whatever. But I do think he's he's a good spot starter. I think he's, you know, in the mix with, like, a Kyle Allen and Andy Dalton, those types. Yeah, I would easily start Kirk Cousins over Kyle Allen. I would start him over Carson Wentz. I would be. I would have a tough choice. But I would probably start Kirk Cousins over Jameis Winston, but that one would be a mm. tough pick for me. Yeah, I think I'd start Cousins over all those guys. I definitely like Cousins over Wentz in this game. Mm-hmm. The Vikings D, of course, is a strong option. You'll you'll find them high in our rankings, and you know they're high in the rest of the season and highly owned. Yep. New Orleans at Jacksonville. Jaguars are one point favorites at home. Teddy Bridgewater is coming off a 314 yard, four touchdown day against the Bucs. I watched that game back to do the vision for it, and really I expected to see, like, oh, Teddy Bridgewater looked good here. He really was facing a terrible pass defense. Yep. I mean, it seemed like basically every deep ball that he threw was to a wide open guy or floated and nobody got there in time. I mean, it was easy downfield passing in that game. I did not come away thinking Teddy Bridgewater is way better throwing downfield this week than he has been other weeks. It was just the, yeah. the Tampa Bay defense. Yeah, again, the Bucks defense, the pa- Bucks pass defense is what we thought it was going to be coming into the season. Um, PFF did rank Bridgewater second though in passing grades on the weeks. So, you know, they they thought it was a good performance. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think you're going to see anything like that this week. I think this is going to be a slow run heavy, low scoring game. I'm not, I'm not really excited, you know, about ancillary pieces in this game. Yeah. I mean, when I was looking at the numbers from his game and the numbers that Jacksonville's allowed so far, I was yeah. thinking big numbers for, for Teddy Bridgewater for this week, but and you can't fault a guy for completing wide open passes. I yep. mean, you can't get negatively graded for that, but I, I think it was probably the easiest spot that he's <laughs> going to see all year. 
Um, Jags owner Shad Khan said he had a heart-to-heart with Jalen Ramsey, by the way. <laughs> he believes Jalen Ramsey is going to play this week. Uh, it's probably still reliant on the back injury. Right. How much that is affecting things, none of us really knows. So <laughs> we'll see. If Jalen Ramsey plays, it certainly becomes a tougher matchup. But the Jags have not been a tough pass D for anybody so far. Yeah, I mean, again, I think you're starting Michael Thomas, obviously, either yes. way. I don't even know if Ramsey would follow Thomas into the slot. Beyond that, Kamara, obviously. Jared Cook. Had the touchdown last week, six targets in back-to-back games. I guess that volume sort of puts him on the radar just because tight end is so crappy. But, yeah. um, again, not, not a guy I'm excited about. Jacksonville has been pretty good against tight ends this season. They're sixth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position. Yeah, Cook's seen six-plus targets in three of the four Bridgewater games, including the game Bridgewater entered late. But last week was the first time he topped three catches this year. And uh, the yardage with Bridgewater has been 25, 7, 21, and 41. 4.5 yards per target for Jared Cook with Teddy Bridgewater in there. You know, maybe you stash Jared Cook for later in the season because we have not had any Saints wide receivers emerge beyond Michael Thomas. So there's room once Drew Brees is back for Jared Cook to be a factor. But he's a because-I-have-to start right now. Yep, which uh, is every tight end outside the top, like, seven. (laughs) Yeah. Gardner Minshew on the other side is now fantasy QB 10 for the year. He's inside our top 12 for week six. Saints are a positive QB matchup. Uh, still just 12th, though. Just just 12th on the list of positive matchups after they limited uh, Dak Prescott and Jameis Winston the past two weeks. Yeah, and they're they're up to 20th in Football Outsiders past the rankings after I think they were near the bottom after the first mm-hmm. few weeks. Um, like you said, just a 62% completion rate allowed to those last two quarterbacks, Dak and Jameis, 7.1 yards per attempt. So I, I do think this defense is closer to what we've seen over the last two weeks. I don't think it's you know a top five quarterback matchup. Um, you know Minshew, I think he's okay. Again, I, I don't expect this to be a high scoring game. So I don't think Minshew has a super high ceiling, but I think the floor is okay. Um, he, he, he's Helping with his uh, rushing ability, he's averaging 25 rushing yards per game. Um, He hasn't finished lower than quarterback 19 in any week yet, and he has a couple of top 12 finishes. And a mustache. And a mustache. Marshawn Lattimore had a rough start to the year, but he seems to be turning things around. Through the first three games, he allowed 20 catches on 27 targets, um, 12.6 yards per target over that span. Over the past two games, though, just six catches allowed on 11 targets in his coverage. And those came against the Cowboys and the Bucks. 5.8 yards per target, a much better mark. I mean, the pro football focus matchup chart says that Marshawn Lattimore should see more of Chris Conley than DJ Chark this week. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time believing that the Saints would let things line up that way rather than having yeah. Lattimore follow Chark for at least as much of the day as they can. I expect Lattimore to shadow Chark when Chark's on the outside. Um, Jacksonville last week moved Chark into the slot for 31% of his snaps, I think, to get away from James Bradbury, who's you know Carolina's top corner. So you'd like to see Jacksonville working to get their best wide receiver in better spots. So I, I would expect them to do something similar this week. Um, you know, P.J. Williams is a nice matchup in the slot against uh, the Saints. So, you know, I think Chark needs to be in starting lineups. I mean, he, he's proven oh, yeah. it at this point that he, he's a weekly fantasy starter. Yeah, don't be shocked if he has a disappointing week, though, if they don't get him into the slot more. And I think yeah. D.D. Westbrook has upside because mm-hmm. of the matchup with P.J. Williams. Even if Chuck sees more time in the slot, D.D. Yeah. Westbrook's still going to spend plenty of time in there, too. Yeah, Westbrook's seen as many targets as uh, D.J. Chark. They're both at 37 targets on the season. And like we said, um, the Saints have allowed the third most fantasy points to slot receiver. So whoever's in there, and I do think it'll be D.D. Westbrook more in the slot than D.J. Chark 
um, you know, whoever's in the slot has a nice matchup. I wanted to like D.D. Westbrook on DraftKings this week, but he's 5,100 and Chark is 5,500, yeah. <laughs> which is annoying. <laughs> Houston at Kansas City. The Chiefs are five-point favorites here, over under 54.5, of course. This is the fantasy center of the universe this week. Football Outsider has... The Chiefs' defense, 30th against the run, of course. We know they stink there. But 8th against the pass might be a surprising number. Defensive tackle Chris Jones is probably out this week with an injury that knocked him out of last week's game. I think that's a significant loss for the defense, probably on both of the run and pass sides. Yeah. It's actually been a slightly negative scoring matchup for quarterbacks against the Chiefs so far. I also don't think that matters for Deshaun Watson as well. No, I mean, you're starting Watson. I think the discussion is, you know, whether it's worth paying up for him in DFS. And I I might shy away from it. The Chiefs, like you said, haven't been as bad against quarterbacks as you might think. They tend to play tougher at home. I think the upside for Watson might be on the ground in this game. The Chiefs gave up 46 yards and a score to Lamar Jackson, gave up the rushing touchdown to Jacoby Brissett last week. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Watson does more on the ground this week. To be fair, I think Lamar Jackson um, performed magic on his <laughs> touchdown run in that game. Right, yeah. I think that we, you know we've said it before. We said it a couple weeks ago, but try to trade for DeAndre Hopkins before yes. this game if you can. I saw somebody tweet. I was reminded of it today because I saw somebody tweeted uh, that they got offered Hopkins and Marlon Mack for Adam Thielen, and the guy's like, "I should take it, right?" <laughs> the fact that anybody, first of all, is making that offer, and that there's somebody else who's like, "Guys, I need confirmation. That I should take yeah. this." Like, yes. I mean, right. I would. I would give Mac and Thielen to get Hopkins. So, I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. that that's the level that it's at. So even if you yeah. think other people are going to expect that Hopkins bounces back, uh, it's worth going to make a, an offer. He's seen 27.7% of Deshaun Watson's pass attempts so far. Will Fuller's at 24.4% of the team total. Nobody else on the team is within 25 targets of Will Fuller's total. So it's a concentrated passing game. Yeah, I mean, Hopkins' volume's down a little from last year. I mean, last year was insane. The volume, uh, 32% target share, 10.2 targets per game. He's at 8.8 targets per game this year. Only five wide receivers have seen more targets. So he's still getting elite volume. He's still an elite player. It's going to come his way eventually, probably this week, honestly, after, you know, Fuller had the big game last week. He's seen the same number of targets as Julio Jones, and the Falcons have thrown 62 more passes this year than the Texans have. And DeAndre Hopkins threw one of Houston, so he couldn't be the target (laughs) on that one. There you go. All right, so yeah, go try to get Hopkins. He's also working on a career low in yards per catch so far and a low TD rate for him. No touchdowns since the opener. Mm -hmm. Tight ends, Darren Fells scored twice against the Falcons. They came on his only two targets of the game, though. Jordan Aiken saw just one target. So this is not a a situation that you should target for tight end value. But (laughs) if you're hard up and you need one, then these are flyers. You know, you could take one and it might do something. Yeah, and it'd still be Aiken's for me. Um, Aiken's and Fells both ran the same amount of routes last week, actually. But Aiken's is still up for the season. Um, 55% route rate for him versus 46 for Fells. Aiken says two more targets than Fells. So it's not a great matchup. Casey's uh, 11th in football outsiders tight end coverage. They're 12th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. But if you're desperate, taking guys from this game isn't a bad idea. Yeah, you're starting Houston tight end if you need one, just to forget what the names are. Uh, And before we get away from the Houston side, Kenny Stills put in a limited practice Wednesday. He, of course, was limited last week, didn't play in that game. So, you know, we'll see. It didn't really matter for Kiki Cutie's usage. Yeah, I mean, Cutie's usage was disappointing. He had a decent game because he broke off that one long catch and run, but he only played 44% of the snaps, only ran her out on 53% of the dropbacks. So, again, I I think he's okay if Stills remains out just because of this game environment but you know you got to know the floor is still low with Kiki because the usage isn't great and even you have to like Carlos Hyde this week I like Carlos Hyde this week I mean we we saw the Colts lay out the game plan of how you beat the Chiefs it's pound the ball on the ground keep the ball away 
from Patrick Mahomes. You know, Marlon Mack had 29 carries for 100-something yards. So I think if I'm the Texans, I'm coming into this game running Carlos Hyde, as crazy as that sounds. No, we saw we <laughs> saw Detroit actually lay out the yeah. plan for beating them. They just the, If you do the plan but hand the ball to Kansas City at the goal line to run it the other way for a touchdown, <laughs> it's not going to work. Yes, exactly, yep. On the Chiefs' side, we got some injuries to watch. There was no practice for Sammy Watkins on Wednesday. I would love to not use him. It would be nice if he's just inactive for the game. A limited practice for Tyreek Hill. Not his first one, so we're going to have to watch him through the week to see if he's going to play. Full practice for LaShawn McCoy. Damian Williams is off the injury report. Mm -hmm. Full practice for Patrick Mahomes on his ankle sprain. Houston's tougher on the run than the pass. It's a bad spot for LaShawn McCoy, who was barely involved in last week's game, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's in running back three range in our rankings just because there's no one else to rank over him, but I would try not to use him. Um, McCoy only played 23% of the snaps last week, no carries, two targets. Andy Reid said afterward that his playing time was limited because of pass protection problems. So, you know, that, that's not a way to get on the field anymore. <laughs> right. um, so, yeah, I think Damon Williams clearly the Chiefs back to play this week. Yeah, Damon Williams, nine of the ten running back carries last week, four of the seven running back targets. Uh, he could see even a bigger share than that of the targets yeah. uh, next time out. So I agree. He's the one to play. I'm playing Demarcus Robinson over Byron Pringle no matter who's in there. <laughs> I think Pringle's off the radar if Tyreek Hill returns for this game. I don't know. I, I think I it, it it seems to me that Pringle was like the direct replacement for Sammy Watkins, and I, and I wonder if Hill's back if he just sort of steps into uh, Nicole Hardman's spot. I don't know. It's tough for me to imagine that they just sit Nicole Hardman or play him yeah. for like ten snaps just yeah. to get Byron Pringle on the field more. Well, see, I, I I'd say if Hill's back, that you know you probably want to try to avoid. Pringle and Hardman, but if Hill's out, I think I think Pringle is a wide receiver three. Demarcus, well, wide receiver three might be high. I, think I would, he's wide receiver three. I wouldn't play him over Alden Tate. I think I would. I, I, I would. guess they're in the the same yeah. range. Probably. And I just think Pringle has more upside because he's playing with Mahomes. Demarcus Robinson, by the way, has played over ninety percent of the snaps in four straight games. Now six plus targets in three of those games. I think we're a little low on where we have him ranked because there hasn't been huge production, but he's got a high ceiling and this is a bad secondary. Yeah, the, the Chiefs wide receiver rankings right now are obviously fluid because we don't know you mm -hmm. know what Tyreek Hill's status is out. So you know, make sure to check those on Friday afternoon. They'll be updated after we know whether Watkins and or Hill is going to play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that goes for every team every week. Right? Right. They're never final when they come out on Tuesday. There, it's Something's always changing. Correct. Washington at Miami, and then we go on to the next game. Um, so, but seriously, Washington's a three and a half point road favorite. We've got a forty-one point over/under somehow. Uh, it seems kind of high for this game. Maybe it's yeah. defensive touchdowns. <laughs> but if you throw in the Thursday night game, the Dolphins have the fifth lowest implied total for this week, which is some progress for them. <laughs> progress. Yeah. So, what's going to win out here? Bad offense or bad defense? These teams are thirtieth and thirty-second in Football Outsiders' offensive DVOA, and they're 29th and thirty-second in defensive DVOA. Nothing. There's no winner here. <laughs> no winner. Nobody I mean, so, someone's got to win this game. <laughs> That's uh, it. They don't. <laughs> it could be a two-two tie. I, I think both teams might want to lose, so it'll be interesting. The Washington defense, Miami, is providing a one hundred and fifty-one point seven percent scoring boost so far to fantasy defenses, according to our strength of schedule page. The Jets are next at 97.3%. That's because of Luke Falk. The next team beyond that is the Chargers at 46.2%. So the Dolphins are basically a three times as good a matchup as anybody else in the league. So it doesn't matter what you think of the Washington defense. Yeah. They're a starter this week. 
Yep, they are. Not a good defense, but a starter in this matchup. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on the offensive side, Case Keenum is uh, just like that defense. He's in play only because of the matchup. Yep. Ben's dead last in football outsiders past D. They're 30th in adjusted fans points allowed. We've, we've seen the ceiling and floor with Keenum already this season, so you, you kind of know the risk you're taking on, but there is upside in the matchup. Yeah. Four turnovers against the Bears uh, two games ago. He was pulled in the first half against the Giants, of course. Dealing with the foot issue was a full practice participant Wednesday, so it doesn't really seem like the foot yeah. is a big issue. I wonder what the offensive play calling is going to look like with mm. Jay Gruden gone. I would expect that they'll run the ball yeah. more. Uh, you know, Case Keenum is a streaming option, but he's around 19-20 on my list. Yeah, and again, I, I know they want to run the ball more under Callahan, and they might be able to in this game, but you know, throughout the rest of the season, I don't really buy that being a factor. Are you interested in Adrian Peterson in this matchup? I was going to say he's sneaky. Oh. Interested is, is a strong oh. way to say it, but I think he's sneaky for rushing volume. Miami has faced the most carries per game by far so far. Six more carries per game than the next team. Bill Callahan is a longtime offensive line coach. We've heard how he stood up in a team meeting and said that they were last in the league in rushing attempts so far. I would play Adrian Peterson over LaShawn McCoy. Gross. <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I could. I mean, just because uh, you know uh, any guy in the Chiefs backfield, I think has upside. Peterson, I I just think he has nothing left. He's averaging two point seven yards per carry this season. He's thirty first in PFF run grades among 34 qualifiers so yeah i could see him getting 15 carries in this game and yeah the matchup's great but i'm not sure peterson is capable of taking advantage at this point peterson stinks case keenum stinks the defense stinks they're (laughs) all in play this week because you're playing the dolphins and yeah i'm not talking up peterson when i say sneaky i mean he's like 30th on my list he's he's over Lashawn mccoy because i don't like Lashawn mccoy not because i like peterson i would i would have a tough choice between adrian peterson and ronald jones i'll take jones yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't make the argument for it. The argument is basically, yeah. I think Peterson carries 18 times in this game. Ronald Jones could carry, you know, nine. I still like Chris Thompson more, even in this spot. Um, you know, he's been getting a few carries. He's been busy in the passing game. Dolphins, you know, saying it again, they're dead last in football outsiders running back coverage. They're allowing a 90% catch rate and 10.7 yards per catch to running back. So you're probably not going to get the negative game script that you want for Chris Thompson here, but I still think could, Washington, you could. And I still think Washington will you know use him in the passing game regardless. Negative game script for the viewer, at least. <laughs> Vernon Davis on the Washington side put in a limited practice Wednesday. He missed last week with a, with a concussion. Yeah. If he's back, I mean, somebody else to put in the tight end mix. Yeah, he's in there with like Jordan Akins. Yeah. Miami defense, Washington is the eighth friendliest scoring matchup for the position on the week. I would have a tough time. I'd have to be reaching yeah. way down to play the Dolphins, though. Yeah, because, I mean, there, there's no talent on that defense to bank on, so yeah, it, it'd be it'd be rough. I haven't checked the DFS price on them yet. That's the one place where if they show up less than 2000 bucks on DraftKings, that's the one spot where I might be like, oh, okay. I haven't looked at um, DK pricing yet, but I do know the Jets are at 1500 this week. Is that who I think? It'll be interesting. Yeah. We'll talk tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Miami offense. It's a decent spot for Kenyon Drake, and I would have more than that to say about him, but the guy's averaging 11 touches per game, and he has topped 55% playing time once through four games. Yeah. Um, we, we did see Kalen Bellage go away last time out. Finally. Um, you know, Mark Walton sort of stepped into his role. Drake played 54% of the snaps. I mean, Drake's opportunities over the last three games have gone 12, 18, 14. So, that, you know, that's decent volume. Matchup's good. Washington 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. So I, I think I would start Drake over Adrian Peterson. Yes, I would do that okay. as well. And Preston Williams is a solid option at wide receiver four level. 
I, I would have a tough time playing him over Demarcus Robinson and Preston Williams versus Alden Tate would be a coin flip for me probably. Yeah, I think that's the range he belongs in. Williams definitely has a thing with Josh Rosen. You know, we saw him hooking up in the preseason. Thirty oh. percent target share for Preston Williams over the last two weeks with Josh Rosen. Williams also sixteenth among all wide receivers in air yards over the past over the Miami's past two games in weeks three and four. Um, Washington, 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. All right. Please tell me we can go to the Niners-Rams at this point. Albert Wilson uh, comes back this week, so keep an eye on him. All right. (laughs) I'm not going to keep an eye on him because I'm absolutely not watching that game. (laughs) San Francisco at the Rams. The Rams are three-and-a-half-point home favorites. It's a 50-and-a-half-point over-under. That's up two from where it opened. The Niners will be missing both of their starting tackles for this game. Joe Staley has been out with a broken leg. Now Mike, uh, I forget. Mike Mike McGlinchey. McGlinchey, thank you. Also Kyle Juszczyk out. So, I mean, what's been an excellent running game, got to sort of wonder if these injuries are going to start to have an impact. And if you agree with Booger McFarlane, Kyle (laughs) Juszczyk is their MVP. So (laughs) the Niners will really be in trouble for this game. I mean, Booger went overboard with that, but Juszczyk is important to that offense. Like, it's a significant loss. Right. It is important, but it's it's (laughs) such a, like, football guy thing to say, like, Oh, he's their MVP because he's so, so important as a lead blocker in the running game. Right. <laughs> the hell out of here. Uh, Tevin Coleman, I think. And Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida, even with the MVP and the two tackles <laughs> missing, are both in play here because yeah. this running game's just been delivering. Yeah, I agree. So the split last week was 16 carries for Coleman, 11 for Breda, 7 for Raheem Mostert, but 5 of Mostert's carries came super late in that game when it was you know decided. Yeah, I was surprised um, to see his carry total this morning because yeah, I yeah. don't remember seeing him, and that's probably because I was looking at something else by the end of right, that game. Right, it was all super late. So I think it's basically a two-man committee, and, and a two-man committee you know, in this running game, the Niners are leading the league in run rate. You know, They, they want to be a run-heavy team, so I think there's enough to go around for Breda and Coleman to see double-digit carries every week. If you look at routes and blocking um, to combine the passing snaps, last week it was 13 for Breda, 12 for Mostert, 7 for Coleman. So I will be curious to see if it's like that going forward in games that they're closer. If, you know, that was, if Mostert's playing time on that angle was was swinging on the, you know, game being out of hand as mm-hmm. well. I, I, I'm not worried about Tevin Coleman, but I would hope that that angle for him improves going forward for yeah. his, for the sake of his fantasy outlook. Yeah, right. It was three targets for Breda. Uh, last week, zero for both Coleman and Raheem Mostert. I, I would, by the way, I would hang on to Raheem Mostert because he's still just one injury away from you know having a role in one of the game's best be- best running attacks. Yeah, like if you're going out and bidding on John Hillman and Reggie Bonifon, then don't drop Raheem yes. Mostert to get somebody like that Agreed. because that's a a handcuff who is still involved in an offense that is producing. Yep. All right. So on the Niners side, still. I would try to avoid the receivers if possible. I mean, it's certainly quite possible that one or two of them deliver in this game. Just, like, good luck figuring out who it's going to be. I mean, it was at least a three-man committee rotation, whatever you want to call it, coming out of the bye week with Dante Pettis, Marquise Goodwin, Debo Samuel. But, I mean, you know, none of them topped 63% of the snaps. None of them topped four targets. Again, it's a run heavy offense and George Kittle is still the top option in the passing game. And Dante Pettis closed out that game by Oof. dropping a yeah. slant that probably would have taken him into the end zone. He's in his head or something. I don't know. He's struggling. Yeah, something's on his head. <laughs> um, Jimmy Garoppolo is a fine option. I think he's in the range with Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz I, just outside the top 12. I would probably play Garoppolo over those two guys. Uh, yeah. it, it's close though. I do think this game has shootout potential. These are two yeah. fast paced offenses. They're both top four in situation neutral pace. So that 
helps. I don't know what to make of the Rams' pass defense. I mean, <laughs> it was good most of last year. It was good early this season. It's been horrible the last two weeks. I still think it'll bounce back. There's, I think, too much talent on the D-line and in the secondary, but struggling right now. So there's definitely upside to Garoppolo. I think the pass D is probably okay. I think they're yeah. not as good as it seemed early in the year, and they're not as bad as it seemed against the Bucks two weeks ago. Yep. On the Rams side, Todd Gurley missed Wednesday's practice with a quad injury, so Malcolm Brown should absolutely be owned right now everywhere if he wasn't already. Yes, definitely. I mean, he, he'd be the guy. You know, we, we'd see some Dara Henderson, I'm, I'm guessing, but it would be Brown leading the way if Gurley misses this one. Yeah, and I think Malcolm Brown would be a starting fantasy back if oh, Gurley's sure. out. Yeah, for sure. Maybe even like top 15. Yep. Brandon Cooks had a concussion. He was limited Wednesday, so he'll have to pass through the protocol to make it back. They did play last Thursday, so that helps him with some extra time. Yep. I mean, you know, probably 50-50 to play. If he doesn't, I think Josh Reynolds becomes a deeper option. You know, he, he was productive in those eight games Cooper Cup missed last year. Reynolds averaged six targets per game, 46 yards, 0.6 touchdowns. So he'll be an option if Cooks is up. Yeah, and this is a Rams team that's passing the ball a lot more and not winning as easily as they have recently. So that yep. can only help. Everyone active, I think, here does play pretty much. Gerald Everett is inside our top 12 this week, even though he's facing the defense that Football Outsiders says okay. is toughest in the league in tight end coverage. Yep, and the Niners are fifth in adjusted fans points allowed to tight ends. Um, I'm not still fully convinced that Everett's going to be like a big part of this passing game week in, week out, but just how crappy tight end is you have to use him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Atlanta at Arizona. Falcons are two and a half point favorites on the road here. It's a mm-hmm. five, 51 point over under. It's up two from where it opened. The Falcons have allowed the second most points in the league. The Cardinals have allowed the fifth most. Both of these off, Both of these defenses are bottom seven in yards allowed per play. And the Falcons have allowed the second most offensive touchdowns with 18. So if there's a Kyler Murray blow-up coming at yeah. some point, it seems like this is a good spot for it. He, I thought he played his best game of the season last week. You know, Still didn't throw a touchdown, but looked good throwing the ball. We got the big rushing production. You know, there were a lot of design runs, which is nice to see. So yeah, I, I like Murray. You know, I think you're starting him in season long, and I think he should be a DFS target this week. Mm-hmm. I think that the blow-up potential depends a bit on who's healthy. Christian Kirk was limited in practice Wednesday. He missed last week. Demir Bird was limited Wednesday. He has missed the past two games. If either or both of those guys returns, it certainly helps Kyler Murray's outlook, I think. David Johnson did not practice on Wednesday with a back injury. Chase Edmonds should absolutely be owned everywhere. Any league that has 10-plus teams, I think Chase Edmonds should be on a roster. And if David Johnson's out, Chase Edmonds is probably a starter this week, especially in PPR. I think Edmonds, like Brown, would be like a top 15 option even if DJ's out. I think David Johnson would be the most significant loss for Kyler Murray with his pass catch. I I think Chase Edmonds is like just as good a runner as David Johnson. He just doesn't have the passing game skills. Mm -hmm. Larry Fitzgerald's been solid. Five-plus catches every game, but he's been under 60 receiving yards in three straight. Seeing about 22% of the team targets so far, which is, you know, a fine share. Team high eight targets against the Bengals, but Keyshawn Johnson was just one target behind him at seven. Mm -hmm. David Johnson was at five. Chase Edmonds was at four. So it's getting spread around. And Larry Fitzgerald's snap share has come down for two straight weeks. It was at 74% last week against the Bengals. Yeah, he might be slowing down a little bit, unfortunately. Um, he's he's still been a, a floor play in fantasy, and I do think there's obviously more ceiling potential this week against Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, the Falcons are dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wideouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I just saw that Adam Thielen is not practicing today because of illness. So uh, we'll see what, what happens with him going forward. Uh, Probably nothing. Unless he's demanding a trade now, too. <laughs> right. He's sick of playing with Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Uh, on the Atlanta side, you play everybody, some of them reluctantly, such as Devontae Freeman. 
Eight and five catches in the past two games. Cardinals are weak everywhere on defense, so it's a fine spot for Devontae Freeman. Yeah. The issue, beyond him not playing very well so far, is that Ito Smith pulled nearly even in playing time last week, including beating Devontae Freeman by one target, six to five. Yeah, in this matchup, um, I, I'd feel fine having Freeman in as like my RB2. I, and I think Ito Smith is in the running back three flex discussion, yeah. You know, assuming you think his usage is going to you know, stay at least where it was last week. Yeah, I mean, I would have a tough time deciding between Adrian Peterson and Ito Smith. Yeah. I would probably go Peterson because we chase volume there, but we know Ito Smith's involved in the passing game and near the yeah. goal line, so there's absolutely upside to his touches. I'll, I'll hedge and say Peterson in non-PPR and Smith in PPR. <laughs> That's fair. All Start right. everyone else. Yeah. The Atlanta <laughs> defense, the Cardinals are providing the fourth largest scoring boost on this week's slate. It makes the Falcons an option, but I would be have to I would have to be looking pretty far down the list to choose them. I'd start the Dolphins defense over Atlanta's defense. Mm. <laughs> if I were making that choice, I would not. Yeah. So, feel so basically, good. I'm saying Atlanta's not not a spot start option for me. I, I, I don't. A- I might play Atlanta. Atlanta just played Houston, and did did they get a sack in that game? I don't think they did. <laughs> I don't so, think they did. So that, that's why that's why you don't start Atlanta's defense. Yeah, no, I certainly am not recommending them. But yeah, well, I, for if you're playing in a 32 team league, then they're go, almost yeah. a starter. Sure. Uh, Tennessee at Denver, Broncos by two and a half at home, 40 point over under. On the Tennessee side, it is Derrick Henry and nobody else, unless you absolutely need them this week. Yeah, Delaney Walker, if you can help it, needs to be on bench. I don't know if it's the knee or it's, it's got to be. It's, it's got to be. I think. Yeah. Through the first um, three weeks, he missed just one practice, and yeah. then now this is the third straight week where he has sat out Wednesday with the knee issue. Yeah. The past two games, he's seen just two targets, has seen less than fifty percent playing time. Yep. I think the knee's not right. Yeah. Yeah, forty nine percent route rate for Walker over the last two weeks. Um, you know, Denver's a middling matchup for tight ends, but it, it, at this point, it's just the usage. And st- until we see Walker get closer to where he was over the first three weeks when he played, uh, when he ran a route on sixty seven percent of Mar- Mariota's dropbacks, I think he needs to be benched. Yeah, uh, Deion Lewis is ne- is Naheem Hines in a worse offense at this point. He's seen more yeah. than four targets one time so far. Yeah, and you, you don't expect Tennessee to have to abandon the run in this game. Mm-mm. Emmanuel Sanders on the other side has finished twice. Last week he finished uh, at 10 yards or less for the second time this season. He, each of his other three games, though, has been 86 yards or more. I think there's nothing scary about the individual matchup for him this week. I think he and Cortland Sutton are pretty comfy starters inside the top 30. Yeah, it's funny. You'd expect like Sanders to be the more consistent of these two just as you know the guy running shorter routes um, and maybe less reliant on touchdowns. But Sanders, Sanders has three weekly finishes in the top 21, but then two others outside the top 80. And Cortland Sutton has uh, just one finish outside the top 31. Sutton now leads the Broncos in targets with 38, seven plus targets in every game. So, you know, he Sutton's kind of emerging as the number one guy here. But Sanders like the 1B, so I think you know he's he's definitely still at least the wide receiver 3. Yeah, you'd expect Sanders to be more consistent until you consider that he's the one with two rebuilt ankles. <laughs> Maybe that's cutting into it a little bit. Maybe. Uh, Noah Fant's got an upside matchup here. He only saw one target last week, but the playing time was there where it's been for the other games. Uh, Joe Flacco only attempted 20 passes in that game. Exactly. That game That game against Chargers just didn't go as we expected with the Broncos getting out to a big lead. So I do still think Noah Fant's in play. Tennessee 29th in football outsiders tight end coverage ranking. So maybe this is the... You know, big breakout spot. We hope we hoped we were getting from Fant last week. Well, don't don't lump everybody into that. We hoped. I don't know if there's a breakout spot when you're playing with Joe Flacco, but I think I it's mean, a solid it, spot. Yeah, it doesn't would, take much a tight end either. You know, 50 yards and a score, and you're right. a top six guy. Yeah, I would easily play him over guys like Tyler Eifert, the Texans. I would play him over Delaney Walker. Yeah, um, and I'd play him over Jared Cook. 
Uh, top of my head. Yeah, I mean Cook would be close. I think they're both in that in that range. I think both RBs on the Denver side are fine. Mm-hmm. Philip Lindsay has caught four passes in four or five games so far this year, and he is now ahead of Royce Freeman in both yards per carry and yards per catch for the season, mm-hmm. which is as it should be. Yeah, I mean, Lindsay's 12th among running backs in PPR points. I mean, I, I, I can't knock the guy anymore. He continues <laughs> to get it done. Freeman still played more snaps and ran more pass routes last week than Lindsay, though, so I think that, that's yeah, that's less a knock on Lindsay and more, you know, saying Freeman can at least be an RB3 for you. Yeah, this should not be a game that gets out of hand either way, so no. the running backs on both sides should stay in the action. Yep. Dallas at the Jets. Cowboys are seven and a half point favorites, which I think is incorrect. Me too. It's a 44 point over under. It's down one from where it started. The Jets are implied for 18.75 points. Both sides of this are down a half point from the open, but that has the Jets just one point ahead of the Steelers, again, who are starting Devlin Hodges at quarterback. And I think that's absurd. I, I, I don't believe that the Dallas matchup is tough for wide receivers. It says so by fantasy points allowed so far. But look at Football Outsiders. It has them 17th against the pass, 20th against the run, has them 15th, 15th, 13th uh, in coverage against each of the wide receiver categories. The Cowboys are below, are outside the top 20 against tight ends and running backs. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I think it's a an average or below average defense against yeah. an offense that's getting healthy now. Yeah, I think it's an average defense. The question is just how healthy is Sam Darnold? Like, I don't, I don't know much about Mono. I don't know if, <laughs> how much energy he lost, how much weight he lost, whatever. I just don't know what to expect from Darnold in this first game back. So I would just try to avoid the Jets passing game this week, even though I agree that it's not a tough matchup. I would not start Sam Darnold this week. I do think it's good that he was practicing with the team in full last week. He was taking all the starter reps in practice, as they said. Yeah. Um, so he should get two good weeks of practice in before this one. I would not start him... But I, I'm willing to start Jameson Crowder and Robbie Anderson right away in this game. I mean, at some point down the line, I guess, is like a wide receiver four. I mean, Anderson has upside. Crowder saw 17 targets in Darnold's first game. Um, Dallas has a lot of the second fewest fantasy points to slot receivers. It's a, it's a better matchup on the outside. Well, for PPR, I think I would play Crowder over all of the yeah. guys that we were saying earlier in the this guy or that guy comparisons. I already forgot all the names, but I don't <laughs> know. I mean, I, I I can see Crowder catching another like five six balls. It's just I'm not excited about the upside in this first week back for Darnold. And Robbie Anderson, I would take a shot on here too over those other guys. I think that so I think he's DK Metcalf, but with a. A, a higher with more prominence within I, his own offense. I would play Anderson over Metcalf just because Anderson's going to be on the field basically every right. snap, and I think he's a, he's a much better target. But mm-hmm. no thanks for me on Demarius Thomas this week, though. I have no idea how much time he and Sam Darnold have spent working together. Yeah. I mean, I know that Sam Darnold's been out for most of the season uh, at this point, but he at least spent the summer with Crowder and Robbie Anderson. Demarius yeah. Thomas joined the team. What was it after Week One? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't use Thomas. And uh, Chris Herndon, unfortunately, yeah. hamstring injury. Looks like he's out this week and likely next week. I would still try to hang on to him, though, unless you're you know, set at tight end with the top five or six guy. Yeah. Uh, on the Cowboys side, I think you play all the usuals. And, Jared, yep. what have you noticed about Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper when they play oh, together? Yeah, you, you saw my tweet, huh? I did. Yeah. I follow Gall- you. <laughs> Gallup has one more target than Amari Cooper in their three games together. He also has more air yards, 330 to 319. I'm, I'm not saying Gallup's the number one wideout going That's forward. That's what I heard you I think, say. I think, I think it's close, and I think Gallup is a weekly starter. He's getting the usage. I think he's a big talent. So lock, lock him in. Yeah, I think the message there is that Amari Cooper is also not the clear number one. They're both mm-hmm. good. I think they're both like you know top 28 level i think you're starting both of them in most weeks yep and that includes this week jason witten's in his usual spot on the fringe (laughs) 
Fairly neutral matchup for him. He has seen exactly four targets in every single game. and It's like the winning quota. Like they have to get him his four targets every week. Yep. They're like, oh, what do we do now? Oh, uh, Jason's <laughs> only at three targets for the game, and it's fourth quarter. We ever throw him one. Three or four catches in every game. I mean, he, he is what he is. He is what he is. I mean, I would I'm, I would try to think who we've been talking about. Like, I'd start him over Jordan Akins. I'd start him over... I would start him... I would not start him over Noah Fant, but it would be nope. a tough decision. And then yeah. pretty much everybody else below that. I would start Jason Witten over Jared Cook. Witten has one weekly finish at tight end seven. The other four weeks, he's been between 15 and 22. I think you expect him to finish in that 15 to 22 range. Yeah, and I will take a guaranteed spot in that range most weeks at this point at tight end. Pittsburgh at the Chargers on Sunday night. Chargers are seven-point home favorites. That's up one from the open, a low over under 41.5. I think all of this makes sense because (laughs) the Steelers are starting Devlin Hodges at quarterback. The Chargers are obviously a strong play on defense. The Steelers' D is also in play. It's seventh in DVOA, so it's a good defense overall so far. And the Chargers are providing the league's third largest scoring boost to team defenses so far. It's probably not as good a matchup as that indicates. Mm -hmm. They have just two games so far where they've allowed more than one sack, and the Chargers have hit 30 points on offense twice. So it's definitely not a slam dunk with the Steelers, but you know, if you're reaching for one, I would certainly play the Steelers over the Falcons, for example. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, the Steelers D, and I don't know if it's just coincidence, but they've looked a lot better since they got Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, so you know, I think that that's definitely a trend that could continue. Uh, Mike Pouncey on IR now for the Chargers, so that doesn't help a struggling offensive line. Mm-hmm. On the offensive side for Pittsburgh, I would be scared to play anybody beyond James Conner. I yeah. think you probably have to play Juju Smith-Schuster, though. <laughs> I wouldn't say you have to. Like, Hopefully you have better <laughs> options, true. honestly. But I mean, I, if you took him in the first or second round, he might be a top three option for you. Um, I would play Stephon Diggs he, over Juju Smith-Schuster. So, so would I. So would I. Um, Juju at least got three of Devlin Hodges' nine targets last week. So you know, hopefully Hodges knows where to go with the football. Um, tough matchup, though, for Juju in the slot against Desmond King. The Chargers have allowed the fifth-fewest fantasy points to slot receivers this season. Yeah, Deontay Johnson also saw three targets. James Washington saw two. Jalen Samuel saw two. Um, Devin Hodges threw 12 total passes, if you include the plays that were knocked out by, by uh, penalties. So it was really... Pretty spread around among those guys. I got to think that the Steelers regret at this point having traded Josh Dobbs. Me too, Um, So, I mean, Devin Hodges looks like he can run a little bit, but it's an undrafted rookie out of Samford. Not not Stanford, (laughs) but the the little brother, Sam. Sam. Samford Bulldogs. And he wasn't even lighting it up at Samford. He was 32 touchdowns versus 16 picks as a senior at Samford. Yeah, it's it's not going to be pretty. Um, you can't start Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson's seen more targets and has more air yards than Juju Smith-Schuster. That, that, that's more of a Steelers problem that yes. they need to correct. I wouldn't expect that to continue. James Conner, I'm sort of excited about here. I mean, the Steelers should feed him as much as possible. Jalen Samuels out after knee surgery. He's out like a month. Um, and the Chargers giving up 4.9 yards per carry to running backs. They're 25th in football outsiders run defense DVOA. PFF has them 29th in run defense. Yeah, I mean, he should get Christian McCaffrey usage in this really game should, yeah. against 11-man boxes. Yep. On the Chargers side, you play all the usuals. I think there's room for both Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. That's mm-hmm. what they showed us last week. Just 12 carries for Gordon in that game against Denver, but he also had six targets, even in a game where Austin Eckler caught 15 balls. Yeah, that, that game was so strange, and it was Gordon's first game back. I'm not putting too much into it. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it continues where Gordon's the clear lead ball carrier and Eckler's, you know, dominating in targets. Um, but like you said, Gordon still saw six targets of, of his own. Um, yeah, I think this is a game where they, you know, if they're playing with a lead as we expect, you could get 
30 total carries out of the running backs this week. Yeah, and I think the work will probably be more like Devontae Freeman and Ito Smith, where mm-hmm. Gordon is is clearly leading the rushing, the, the receiving's kind of split. Yep. I don't think Eckler is going to take goal line stuff away from Melvin Gordon the way that uh, Ito Smith is, so yep. I'm not don't mean to imply that. Um, Philip Rivers coming off a terrible game. I really doomed him by calling him a cash quarterback on DraftKings <laughs> yeah, last week, so I, I apologize to him and all 10 of his kids. Pittsburgh is, though, as I mentioned, seventh overall in defensive DVOA, seventh against the pass, so it's not a great spot for him. I mean, Rivers is still in starter territory, but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes like 15th or so. Yeah, and I mentioned the Minka Fitzpatrick um, acquisition for Pittsburgh. In the three games since, they've only allowed two passing touchdowns, and they have six interceptions. Those games have come against Jimmy Garoppolo, Andy Dalton, and Lamar Jackson, so not like the greatest trio of quarterbacks, but... Uh, again, I still think the Steelers, the as the numbers suggest now, is a pretty tough matchup for quarterbacks. Yeah, and overall, it's the fourth toughest matchup on our according to our strength of schedule page for the season. Mike Williams is in play, but last week mm-hmm. was the first time this year he's caught more than three balls in a game, and it took him 13 targets to get to six catches. He has played 93 and 89 percent of the snaps over the past two weeks, which helps. Yeah, I was going to say, the usage has been encouraging. That snap rate, um, he had seven targets the week before, and he had 13 last week, 21% target share over the last two weeks. So, um, again, not, not a great matchup. Um, the Steelers have been tough on outside wideouts, but I think going forward, Williams, you, know, you can use him as a wide receiver three with that type of usage. Yeah, I would play him over guys like Preston Williams, but I I don't think I would play Mike Williams over D.D. Westbrook this week. Give me Westbrook in PPR and Williams in not. I'm going to hedge again. <laughs> uh, Detroit at Green Bay on Monday night. Packers are four and a half point favorites at home, but that's down a point and a half from where it opened. The Green Bay defense is still taking about 22% off of QB scoring, even after Dak Prescott had a big day last week. And really, Dak Prescott, if you look at the numbers, you're like, wow, he threw a bunch. Yeah. But that was about as tough a 463-yard passing day as you can have. And it – a lot of it came late in the game when I'm sure the Packers were, you know, backing off a bit and just trying to keep everything in front of them. So I still think this is a really good pass defense, not a good spot for Stafford on the road. And even with the big yardage, Dak Prescott took three sacks in that game. He threw three picks. Both of those numbers doubled his season totals in those categories. Uh, Matthew Stafford, I think, for that reason, for the matchup reason, is strictly a streaming option this week. Yeah, and I would use Andy Andy Dalton over him. I would use... Um, who else we talked about? I'd use Kyle Allen over Stafford this week. Uh, yeah. Kirk, Kirk, Kirk Cousins, one. Gardner Minshew, all those guys. If I had to pick one up to, and drop Stafford to do it, I wouldn't do it with those guys. But mm-hmm. if I, you know, if those guys are available and I can drop my Reggie Bonifant share <laughs> to get them, then right. I, I would do it. I, That's fair. I don't think that I would start Case Keenum over Matthew Stafford. I wouldn't either. I probably would start Teddy Bridgewater though. Uh, I'd go Stafford there. All right, so we found the line. (laughs) Tough matchups for Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, but not tough enough, I think, to put them out of contention. I mean, Marvin Jones at the bottom of wide receiver three territory. Kenny Galladay is a little lower than you might usually have him, but they're both in the mix still. It's interesting. Um, PFF has the Packers as a plus matchup for outside wide receivers. I think a lot of that has to do with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup last week. From a personnel standpoint, Jair Alexander, Kevin King are both pretty solid corners. So Kenny Galladay is seeing enough usage where I think he, he's matchup proof at this point. Marvin Jones is the guy where I think you only want to use him in, in positive matchups, and I, I wouldn't consider this a, a plus spot. Yeah, and he, according to the PFF chart, he should see more of Jair Alexander, which is the tougher matchup of the outside guys. Each guy only faced the Packers once last year, so we haven't really had a, a read on them. Mm-hmm. TJ Hawkinson practiced Wednesday. He still needs to clear the concussion protocol, but did have that last week off with the bye. So mm-hmm. I think he's a solid option if he does pass through the protocol. Football Outsiders has the Packers 19th in tight end yeah. coverage. I'd, I'd say solid in uh 
quotation marks. Um, <laughs> Hawkinson, since the big week one, he's seen three, four, and three targets. So he should be a guy we can trust, but he's just not getting the usage at this point. At this point, if he played a different position, I wouldn't be talking about him. Exactly. But at tight end, he he feels he feels comfy. <laughs> Carry on Johnson's in a good spot. The Packers limited Ezekiel Elliott last week, but still the sixth best matchup for running back scoring in the league so far. Yeah, and you know, last time we saw Carry on, he was. You know, something close to a feature role with you know seventy plus percent of the snaps, twenty one and twenty nine opportunities in his last two games. So hopefully the Lions you know didn't make any changes to their backfield plans during this bye week. <laughs> hey, you guys know how good Ty Johnson is. <laughs> Football Outsiders has Detroit defense twelfth in overall DVOA so far, twelfth against the pass, fourteenth against the run. So it's not a cake matchup for the Packers. Nope. Uh, top eight in coverage against every wide receiver spot. And then the first question I think for the Green Bay offense is. Does Devontae Adams play this week? I was going to say, yeah. Um, if Adams is back, I'd feel pretty solid with Aaron Rodgers as my my quarterback one this week. If Adams is out, though, I think that's a big loss. I mean, we saw Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Geronimo Allison struggle you know, in bigger roles last week. Mm-hmm. The Lions are 28th in tight end coverage, according to Football Outsiders, but have allowed the 10th fewest PPR points to the position, and they have faced Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey the past two right. games, so it's not like they have not been tested. So I'm not sure I believe that coverage grid from FO. Mm-hmm. I've seen Tracy Walker play well in tight end coverage so far. So, I mean, Jimmy Graham is certainly in the starter mix, but I'm not going crazy to start him. Yeah, me either. I, I do think he's you know he, he's in our top 12. I'll feel better about Graham again if Devontae Adams is out. You know, Graham didn't get the big usage bump last week, just three targets, but Aaron Rodgers' passing volume was down. Graham did run a route on 72% of Rodgers' dropbacks. That was his second highest mark behind only week four, which is the game Adams left early in. I would play Gerald Everett over Jimmy Graham. I would have a tough choice between Graham and Hawkinson. I'm playing Graham over Hawkinson. And I would play Graham over Noah Fant. Too. Aaron Rodgers, okay. Uh, I think he belongs in the bottom of starter territory, though, pretty much going forward until he proves otherwise. Until he and the offense prove otherwise. He's just he's missing the TDs right now. He has a 3.3% touchdown rate. That's like about half of his career rate. And I don't think he's going to get back to his career rate, which is like I mean, over six. But I do think, you know, 3.3 is, is too low for Aaron Rodgers. So I, I think he's, he's going to be fine going forward. He's not an elite fantasy option. I still think he's a top 12 guy. Yeah, so I think he belongs at like 11-12. I think that's where we should set our expectations as opposed to like early beginning of the season where we had him, you know, we and we collectively as a fantasy, um, you know, community had him like fourth, fifth, something like that. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Darius Slay, the cornerback for the Lions, returned to the practice field. We'll see if he's ready to play in this game. If he's out, certainly helps the matchup for the Packers side. The Lions have been a negative matchup for outside wide receivers, a plus matchup for slot guys, and it's still Geronimo Allison getting the most snaps in the slot. He was at 60% last week. So I think if Adams is out, I think Allison might be the best Packers wide receiver bet. And since we've been talking about backup running backs at various <laughs> points, I've seen Jamal Williams get dropped several times. I think he's a guy to hang on to at, at this point. At, yeah. You know, if you're looking for handcuff running backs, obviously if you need to drop somebody like that to pick something up, then you go ahead and do it. But as far as handcuff running backs go, I think Jamal Williams is fairly high on that totem pole. Yeah, I mean, before he went down, that was like devolving into a 50-50 committee. <laughs> and I hate to say it, but I think when Williams is healthy again, he, he's going to cut into Aaron Jones's work way too much. Mm-hmm. At the very least, he'll be in for a lot of work if Aaron Jones goes down, yes. which we've seen happen a few times. Yep. 
That's going to do it for this week six preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to see exactly how we rank all of these guys against each other and get customized start-sit recommendations via your My Team page. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShoufDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm at Shaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.